still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America. Recording on-site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and on-stage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except Bang Tango, Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club, School of Rock Nashville, and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore to hair metal. is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Make sure to head over to MetalNexus.net to check out all of the news, reviews, interviews, and the archives of the Talk To Me podcast. This is episode 158, and this one features both Cody and Brighton of Wage War, and also I talked to Ron Williams of Ron's World Guitars. I know you guys like the business side of things, so check out the interview with Ron Williams of Ron's World Guitars. But up first, it is Wage War, both vocalists of Wage War, Brighton and Cody. I talked to both of those guys about the upcoming Warp Tour, their current album that is out now, entitled Dead Weight. Also, they just recently toured with Of Mice and Men. We talk about that. They are connections with A Day to Remember, and also they have an upcoming European tour with August Burns Red. So we talk about all those things with those guys. And then, like I said, at the end of the episode, we have an interview with Ron Williams of Ron's World Guitars. Very cool custom guitar painter. He does everything by hand, and it looks like it looks like stencils. It looks amazing. What the guy can do with a guitar is just absolutely fantastic. A great double feature on this Talk To Me episode for you. So let's get into it. This episode's brought to you by Good Company with Bowling, our good friend Scott Bowling over there at Good Company with Bowling. Make sure to check him out on YouTube. I saw that he just completed his Rich Ward of Fozzie episode. I know that's going to be a great one. Rich had so many great things to say about the episode. I know it'll be a great episode because Scott is a huge Stuck Mojo fan, as you can tell by his past guests with uh, Corey Lowry and Bones. And then you also got the Seven Dust Connection with Clint Lowry, LeJean Witherspoon, upcoming episodes with Eddie Trunk, Jose Mangan, so many great guests. And I will be looking forward to hanging out with Scott Bowling at the Rockin' Pot Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, August 25th at the Nashville Palace. But let's get back to Good Company with Bowling. Make sure you're heading over to YouTube, searching it out, past archives, Sonny from POD, Head from Corn, Mikey from Islander, like I said, the Stuck Mojo Camp, 
lot of the guys from Seven Dust. It's a great, well-shot show done by the same guys that do DDP Yoga. So you definitely want to check it out over there. Good company with bowling. Check it out on YouTube. Let's get into Rob Rivera's pick from the kit. And then we will talk to the guys in Wage War, listen to some music, talk to Ron Williams, and then I will talk to you at the end of the episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Rivera from the band Nonpoint, and this is my weekly uh, Rob's Pick from the Kit. Before we get to that, I just want to say thank you to everybody that attended the Kings and Queens tour. It ended this past Friday in Mesa, Arizona, and we went out with a bang. Huge show, uh, packed. Uh, thank you to Butcher Babies, Sumo Psycho, and Islander, and also Kane Hill, who were on the uh, first few shows before the drummer had an injury. So I hope you have been recovered, my friend. Thank you again to all the promoters and that took on the tour. And uh, we, we appreciate all the fans that came out and bought merchandise, bought the VIP, a lot of other good stuff. Our new album drops August 24th. Uh, we will have more information on that. Uh, for my pick this week, I'm going to pick a band that I have followed for many years called Judas Priest. Uh, the song Bloodstone from the Screaming for Vengeance album, which is my actually favorite record from Judas Priest. Uh, even though most of their albums are amazing, including the new one, Firepower, that you need to get killer, killer album. Um, been following Priest for a long time. Uh, one of my friends from Puerto Rico, George, was a massive, massive Priest fan. And when I talk about massive, dude had pictures all over his walls of Priest. And uh, just a band that has been consistent, still out there doing it. Just finished a U.S. tour with Saxon. <clears throat> still out there touring, doing their thing. Um, very, very excited that these bands are still around kicking ass. So... Here we go, Bloodstone, Judas Priest.
All right, gentlemen. Well, let's go ahead and get into this. And uh, Cody Brighton, great to have you guys on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Cool, cool. Um, let's just start it out with Wage War. And, you know, you guys signed in 2015. And every time I turn around, you know, the name Wage War is somewhere. I mean, how have the last three years been for you guys? Um, I would say very busy. We've been on the road, I would say, probably nine to ten months out of the, each year for three years. So very, very busy. Lots of touring. Yeah, agreed. We've been, I don't think we've had longer than like, until the beginning of this year, I don't think we've had longer than like two weeks home at a time. So we've just kind of tried to adopt the, the old school formula of, you know, touring as much as you can and like trying to stay as relevant as possible and releasing music and such. So it's been great for sure, but it has been very, very busy, but worth it. And, and I know you guys are doing, doing a lot of supporting other bands, but you've also been headlining too. You know, what is it that you guys like doing better? Do you enjoy the headlining or do you like supporting a band better? Um, that's a hard question. Support ones are really fun because, you know, uh, the bigger band is always cool to hang out with. Uh, we did that support tour with the data member and that was really cool. And, um, but it, it is cool. Like seeing how many kids out there, like come for you and know like your lyrics and I don't know, like our last headliner, I really, really had a good time seeing everyone just get down to our music. So it, that, that's, that's hard. <laughs> I'm like 50, 50 on that. <laughs> Yeah, the headlining set is definitely funner because it's your crowd, but I think that support tours are like, at this point at least, I feel like they're pretty much low stress. Like, you got 30 minutes set and it's just like in and out. So, support tours are definitely easier, but I think headliner is probably more fun. You know, one thing I always liked about the, the support tour side of it is you get up, you play, but there's still more show to go. So you don't, you know, like when you headline, it's like show's over when you're done and like everyone leaves, you know, you get to, if you're supporting a band, you get that five, 10, 20 minutes to go out in the crowd and, and talk to the guys and talk to the fans and, you know, go to the merch booth, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the data, remember a little bit earlier and actually diving into the wage war catalog. I was like, wow, this has a little bit of a, a data remember feel to it. And then I get into it and, and you know, you find out that Jeremy is, uh, you know, produced you guys. What, where did the connection with uh, with Jeremy come from? Uh, we're from the same hometown um, in Ocala, Florida, which is a very, very small um, horse farm city. Um, and, and so for through being from the same small town, um, it's it's kind of like a place where everyone's got ties with somebody um and just through various people and various members in our band um we became friends with them and um you know like they while they were i don't even remember what cycle they what album cycle they were on but um josh woodard who plays bass in the band Mm -hmm. uh reached out to to me and a couple of the other guys and i was like hey like i've heard a lot about your band and i think it's cool like you guys are from our town and whatnot and so we pretty much just kept um in contact with josh um for two or three years like i would like give him live burnt like dvds of like <laughs> our sets and like nice. i'd send him my garage band demos and whatnot and um and we ended up taking it all the way and now he's um he's a co-manager of our band um and i think th- through him he's just kind of showed his guys and jimmy was really um was really stoked to work on it so uh, it was an absolute no-brainer for us so yeah I, I guess it all started with with small town small town knowing 
And are you guys yeah. able to to learn from Jeremy? You know, maybe uh, learn from their mistakes and uh, and uh, you know get that wisdom passed down to you. I remember Jeremy just telling us stories about like how hard they used to grind, like eating like ramen noodles every night and stuff like that. <laughs> like as depressing as that sounds, he's like, those are some of the best times you'll ever have on tour. Is those like sleeping on top of each other in the van? Like it, it might suck in the moment, but you're gonna look back and love those moments. So we've always trying to keep close and be nice to each other on tour and really cherish cherish what we got. Yeah, there's definitely nothing better than getting to the club and finding out it's a food buyout day so you can figure out what to do with your five to ten dollars rather than uh they you know they cater or give you a couple of pizzas. Yeah, yeah that that <laughs> never happens in the US So I, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, huge, huge Johnny Cash fan. Um when you guys put out a song entitled Johnny Cash, I definitely had to check it out and you know, there there's so many themes to him that I can pick up in that song. And, um, you know, have you guys had any pushback for, for naming a song Johnny Cash? And then, you know, what does that song necessarily mean to you guys? Um, there's probably like one or two comments of people that like looked up Johnny Cash and that's what they got and they were upset. Um, but um, I actually also just moved to Nashville back in February, I think. Um and I'm like a, I'm a big, I'm a big country music enthusiast, and I think as the years have gone on, so are the rest of the guy, or at least some of the. I know Britain is, uh, as well. Um, and I always like I love in in country music where, um, they'll like reference like a past artist, especially mm-hmm. like some of the newer stuff. Like they'll talk about George Jones or George Strait or Alan Jackson or you know just like stuff like that. And I thought it would be so cool to like bring an element of that to to like our scene and i feel like johnny cash was somebody that was like pretty well respected you know even though maybe it doesn't musically directly pass down i feel like the attitude and like sometimes even like the lyrical content of of johnny cash is like a um is like a staple for in some way for for metal metalcore hard rock whatever you want to call it um so i really wanted to find a way to like infuse those two um and the song is ultimately like a dead like heartbreak 100 percent devastation song um which is what a lot of johnny cash's songs were were about um so i just wanted to tie those two together and uh it's been it was like one of those risk songs on the record where it's like this is way out of what we would normally do or at least what we did on our first record i guess it was our second record so we're still finding what all we can do um but yeah, so it was just one of those songs that we just like put out there and I was like, obviously by the title, kids are going to be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> right. so, uh, but it's it's worked great so far and it's been one of the songs that without even pushing it initially, like kids were latching on to and we pushed it even further and did an acoustic version and uh, and kids really like that too. So yeah, really no regrets so far. Yeah, that's the one thing with that song, and then even you know you guys in general is you know you click on the comment section, and it's a lot of a lot of people are in your corner and hoping that the, you know you guys continue to become bigger. It's not a lot of like these guys suck and you know whatever. It's like your your comment section on your YouTube and and Facebook pages are are all so many people are like, man, I wish more people knew about this band or these are the the new kings of metalcore and all this other stuff. You you see so many good comments and that, you don't find that a lot these days. Yeah, our management says that we uh we live in a special corner of the internet where people are just nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
So being a, a recent transplant to Nashville, are you uh, are you a Nashville Predators fan by proxy now? Uh, I guess I would have to be. I'm I'm pretty new to the hockey game. Um, Britain is Britain is the hockey guy in our yeah uh, in our in our band. But I went to like I've been to like one game, and it was like a couple, or it was a Bolts game a couple of probably a couple months ago. And I do want to make it out to a Preds game. Uh, I just haven't really been home enough yet to do that. I think there's one coming up on Thursday, right? Yep. Game seven. First game seven in the history of the Nashville Predators on Thursday. Game seven. So, so. At home. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be uh, going to be nuts. And um, yeah, those hockey dudes, those hockey dudes love metal. So you probably have a lot of, <laughs> <Yep>. uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, <laughs> you know, uh, co- common ground with a lot of those guys. Britain, aren't you, you're a Flyers fan, right, Britain? Yeah, I'm a Flyers fan. Britain will wear like Flyers shirts and kids will get so mad. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, a, that's how it goes. It's usually penguins, though. But look what just happened to them. Yeah, so. good for them. <laughs> good for them. The um, yeah, it's it's funny how how divisive sports can be, you know, because because I'm a Nashville guy, you know, I, I'll post about the Predators or I'll post, I'll talk about the Titans on the podcast, and you know, it, we can have common ground on music and all love Metallica and Megadeth and all this other stuff. But when it comes to sports, that's when it comes, you know, people just uh, start trying to kill each other. <laughs> I had uh, I had Phil Anselmo on the podcast, and we talked about uh, his New Orleans Saints, and uh, that was the most reaction I've gotten out of anybody. It was just like, "Why are you talking about football with Phil Anselmo?" And I'm like, "Because he likes football." Like, <laughs> you know, you guys just got off tour with of Mice and Men. How did that go for you guys? That was so fun. Um, we like that was our third official time going to Europe. And uh, the reaction over there was just insane. Of how many kids were actually into our music, and from our last record, like our last record cycle, just like going through all those music videos and stuff like that, seeing every kid out there just like singing our lyrics, it was nuts. It was a really fun tour. Yeah, it was. It was very sick. the The growth was from the last time we were over there was pretty pretty crazy, and I guess that's just a testament to like Britain's had like new records and music videos and. I guess also taking our time and not like oversaturating over there. I think it had been like a year and, and a couple months <clears throat> since we've been over there. Um, so it was great. Um, the tour was sick. Of mice, great guys. Um, Siler was also on that tour. Great guys. So it was a uh, yeah. That was that was a great time. Absolutely. Kind of digging having the uh, two guest things on. You can ask one question and get two answers. It kind of makes my life easier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and then obviously you guys are going out on Warp Tour all summer long, and you know this is the final trek of the Warp Tour. Something I grew up going to in the '90s and, and whatnot. And um, you know what? What are kind of some of your favorite Warp Tour memories? Did you guys grow up going to the Warp Tour also? Oh yeah, um, I remember just getting sunburned to a crisp a lot of a lot of years. Um, Two years ago, the first time we did it, we did it in a van. Everyone's like, you guys are going to die. You're going to break up. You're going to hate each other. And <laughs> still together. But it definitely was hard. It was very punk rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely... That was like a mentally low point for, for all of us. But it was, <laughs> it was still good. But yeah, mine. I got like a brand new forehead in 2010 from going to Warp Tour. Like my whole... Like it turned green and peeled off. So... <laughs> That's a fond warp tour memory, and also just porta potties in general probably are just a warp tour memory. No one will ever forget. As soon as you, if you ever like have to use a porta potty, 
you like walk in and you're immediately just like war tour. <laughs> oh god. Don't remind me. <laughs> so yeah, it's but I mean, we also obviously have great memories of seeing bands and, and playing with bands. Um the the one year that we did it, uh like Britain said we did it in a van, so we didn't get to kind of do the full experience of being able to hang out at the barbecues afterwards or um, really just didn't get to have a lot of hang time because we were so like, as soon as it was over, we had to drive ourselves. And um, so it was, it was a, it was a fun time and it was one of the best tours we've ever done for our band, but I'm excited this year to like be able to actually um, hang out and like do the full tour and kind of get the full, you know, quote unquote summer camp experience, I guess. Yeah. Do you remember what the first year you guys went to work tour would be? I think 2009, somewhere around there. Yeah, maybe 2007, maybe? I really don't know. Or it wasn't even seven. 2008 or 2009. Yeah. Well, well, what bands would you say you saw back then? Like that you that stuck out in your brain from those early Warped Tours? Oh, Lord. I think, um, I think Paramore was still doing it back then. I'm trying to remember. That was so long ago. Um, I don't know. Are you guys doing the entire uh, Warp Tour this year? Yeah. I know, like, the Devil's Prada, stuff like that was still pretty pretty big on the World Tour at that point. Uh, like, August Runs Red. I think Everly Dying was on it one of those years, too. can't remember. This, I mean, this last track of the Warp Tour is going to be awesome because of the special guests all throughout the place. And I'm assuming, uh, you know, most likely what will happen, too, is some secret special guests will pop up here and there, too. So I think you guys are going to be in for a treat. Oh yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I love watching bands. Like, we'll play, and then I'm not really much of like a bus sitter or whatever. Like, I'll just go play and change my clothes, and then walk around and watch bands. It's one of my favorite things to do. So that's what yeah. that's another one of my favorite things about work tours. You just get you get to to tour with so many bands that you would never probably tour with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's one of my favorite parts about work tour. I'll probably end up watching every time I die every day again. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And after the warp tour, it looks like you guys are going back to Europe with August Burns Red. Uh, it's going to be sick. Um, just going back over there and joining again, seeing um, more kids come out that like didn't know who we were at the, my show. So I think that'd be cool to just see a little bit more growth out there. Deadweight came out, you know, late last year. How have you guys noticed the uh, the reaction to the band? How how have you guys seen the reaction to the to the uh, latest album? Uh, it's, I mean, it's been great as far as I know. Um, I feel like Deadweight was like a nice. Um, hopefully, it was like a nice progression from our lap. I feel like our first record was just like textbook like metalcore, like breakdowns and like something that would that would very much. I mean, people say it all the time. It's like we're not necessarily like breaking any new ground. Um, we're just like, we're not reinventing the wheel per se. Um, uh, but I feel like on dead weight, we, we stepped a little further out of that, um, and did some different stuff. And we have, uh, we have a song called gravity that got picked up on octane. And, um, so like got, got some radio play there and we talked about Johnny cash. Um, so there's like a lot of stuff on the record that, that, um, kind of like plowed up some ground for like the band to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think the perception has been great. And I think that, um, you know, we were able to do our first headliner off the album, which went really well. Um, 
so I think we were, it, it put us in a really good spot for, for where I think the band is headed, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the one thing, not to keep going back to Johnny Cash, but I mean, you know, putting out that stripped-down version of the song and seeing the fans react the way they do kind of gives you going into the third album thinking, you know, knowing you guys can mix it up even more and, and expand the band even more. So, you know, I, I can only imagine what you guys are thinking for the next album. Yeah, I, uh, I actually just posted like a, like a social media post last night because um, we're really we're really heavy in the writing phase right now and just kind of see what kids were like hoping for in the next record like obviously we're going to write the record we want to write but you know just curious to to see what people are, are looking for and i was surprised at how many people are are wanting to hear more of like the johnny cash gravity like a lot of people we we kind of like britain's done some singing on other records but he did like his first um like singing debut, I guess, on Johnny Cash and, and kids were, were stoked on it. So um, they like want to hear a lot more of that. I mean, there's always those kids that are like, give me the heaviest breakdown <laughs> you got and whatever. And, you know, they might be a little disappointed, but um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there still will definitely be heavy songs, but um, I don't know. We're, we're, we're working on it. We're going to try to make the best record ever. Or that we can't uh, bar, so at least not ever. Well, it would be cool to make the best. We're trying to make the best record ever for sure. But um, yeah, no, we we do. I'm very excited about all of the, uh, I guess the playing field that we have for this record because we got on the same spectrum. It can be a band that has breakdowns and like really heavy and guitar solos and whatever, and then we can be a band that has acoustic stuff and whatever. And apparently. People that like our music will follow that either way. So that gives us a lot of freedom. Uh, Britton, were you nervous to kind of put that out with, you know, you singing that, that much clean singing on a, on a track? Um, a little bit, but uh, the reaction for it kind of made that go away pretty quick. A lot of kids were, were digging it. So I think, uh, I think it's a direction we can take now. You know, if everyone hated it, I think we would have been a little skeptical of like what to do next, but I don't know. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> Very good, fellows. Well, um, you know, like I said, you guys are on Warp Tour all year. Uh, the uh, the the album Dead Weight is out now. Why don't you guys pick a track off of Dead Weight and uh, give us a little story about it, and we'll end it off end off this interview that way. We'll do. Uh, I'll talk about Indestructible. Um, that's kind of like a, a little bit of a tribute song to the Ghost Inside, um, and um, and just being about being out on tour and on the road and just like how different things could happen. And, um, I don't know. I think that song really, really speaks to a lot of people that don't know what bands are going through on the road. Like it, it is fun playing in a new place every night and playing shows, but it, it, there is aspects of it that are really hard and things like you're not invincible out on the road either. So things happen. Like it, it's just, it, it's a lot harder than people think. And, I gives them a nice little insight on it and um i don't know that's that's how i feel about that song <laughs> that's a good one Yeah. 
guys we got ron williams of uh ron's world custom guitars on the line ron how are you doing good man how are you i'm doing well doing well i mean now uh, just sitting down looking at your guitars man it's a uh, it's an amazing skill that you have and uh you know what kind of got you into doing all this great art and uh did you grow up as an artist did you grow up drawing your entire life how did you get involved in art yeah, I mean, I, I always, as, as a kid, I, you know, I always loved to draw. And um, at, a, at a young age, you know, I was told that I was uh, seemed to be pretty good at it. So it was something I, I you know, I, I kept pursuing and I excelled at it, you know, uh, quickly as a kid. So, I mean, it was it was a passion I've always had. And then, um, you know, through high school, that kind of thing. And then even with music, too, I was always a big fan of, like, you know, 80s rock, 80s metal. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that kind of art guitar thing was always in the back of my head. You know, your Eddie Van Halen, your Warren D. Martinis, you know, those... Those aren't kind of style Charvel Jackson guitars and stuff. And then uh, I decided I was art school, um, graduated art school, and then uh, went into advertising. So I was an illustrator doing storyboards and advertising uh, for years. So art has always been part of my, you know, my gig. And uh, I just basically decided a couple of years ago to maybe give up the advertising and go back into, you know, doing some illustration full time. And uh, what prompted that was was basically just a guitar sitting in the corner one day, and I was like, I wonder what that would look like to paint. And uh, here we are. <laughs> Talking about your advertising, is there something out there that that's you're most known for in the advertising world? I mean, basically, my my career uh, pretty much is built around events and um, uh, experiential marketing, like they call it. So uh, any of like uh, Picardi, a lot of this is uh, you know about business to business stuff. So it would have been. Um, events, uh, uh, some festival stuff, things like that, um, to be to specific on brand. You know, I've worked on Google, I've worked on Bacardi, uh, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, things like that. Um, probably nothing you would have seen on TV, but uh, it's and not so much in your face kind of thing. It, it would have been a subtle thing that I pointed. If you saw it, I could point it out and say, yeah, I did that. Now, doing the show, and uh, I, do, I do it out of Louisville, Kentucky, uh, you know, the big festival here, Louder Than Life. You know, I noticed you've done the Louder Than Life guitars, and then I actually remember seeing the Louder Than Life guitars while I was at the at the uh, festival doing media there. Oh, very cool. And uh, so, you know, I'm very familiar with your work when it comes to that because I remember seeing it going like, wow, this is amazing. And then to find out that it's hand-done, it's not a wrap, you know, that's a, that's an amazing thing altogether. And, you know, how long does it take, for you, take you to, you know, from start to finish on a guitar? How long will it take you to customize a guitar for somebody? It, it takes about a week. You know, if, uh, um, if, and I mean, I, I say that a little bit loosely, you know, depending on the art, you know, uh, when, when you say the festival guitars, uh, I've been fortunate enough, you know, hooking up with the guys, uh, the promoters that I've done to date so far is I, you know, they give me their brand mark, you know, like you're, you've referenced you know, a lot of the life. So I'll take the louder than life logo that, you know, I didn't create that logo, but it, it's, you know, they give me that art. I hand draw it. It's still all hand painted. I design it, obviously. You know, but the rest of the design, everything else on my guitar is just mine. You know, so when I sit down, I'll paint that logo on the guitar first, 
and then whatever comes to me, you know, obviously the metal stuff, we do a lot of skulls and, you know, the, the tribal art kind of thing, you know, so that's, that's my own creation. And obviously that comes to me a lot faster than if you were to hire me and saying, Hey, I'm thinking this, I want to do that. Cause I've got to lay all that out. You know, when I do the, the, the festival stuff, it just, I draw it right on the surface of the guitar and I go straight to paint. So that process, given up to my own vices there, it'll take about a week. And the, the, the most the time-consuming part of it is actually the finishing of it with the clear coat and the buffing and the sanding. But the art, the art's about two days, two and a half days total. Wow, I figured there'd be like a month-long process or something. There's so much detail in those things. It's amazing. Yeah, just, I mean, it, 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 it used to take a little longer. I'm getting a little better at it. <laughs> right. You know, which thankfully, because, it's, you know, we've been, we've been booked up, man. It's been a crazy season so far. I mean, I mean I'm not complaining, but, uh, you know, if it took me longer than that, I'd, I'd have to, you know, hire another Ron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, judging by the, the bio here, I mean, it says that, you know, the Ron's World Guitars made its debut at Summer NAMM 2016. So, I mean, technically, this company is not necessarily even two years old yet. So, for you to go from you know, where you started to where you are now in such a quick fashion, you know, what, what do you think that, that, uh, you know, got you there so fast? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I gotta say it's a lot of luck and it's just, I just was extremely fortunate enough to, to run into the right people. You know, man, it's, it's even in advertising. And I mean, it's any, anything I think you do where it's a quote unquote, a talent based industry, you know, it, it really is. I think a lot of it is just luck. It's it put it out there you know, and hoping to God the right people come across it and see it. And I think I was fortunate with that. I think you say that with music too. I mean, how many great bands do you know that, that never make it, you know, because they just never got that big break. Um, you know, you mentioned Summer Nam. I mean, it was, I didn't even know what NAMP was, you know, before I started doing this. I mean, I came across it and I was like, well, that was like a fun thing. I mean, I was <laughs> a fan of the guitars and I had like five of them that I had painted just like sitting around in this apartment. You know, and I'm like, well, that could be kind of cool. So, I mean, it wasn't crazy expensive. So I was like, try it. You know, I drove up to, uh, to Tennessee, and uh, it was kind of funny because I was, you know, standing there. I didn't know what the hell to do or who, who to go talk to. You know, I'd walk up to a couple of these, you know, these big booths, you know, like Fender and Jackson and, uh, you know, uh, PS, uh, PRS and ESP. And, you know, there's these guys standing there, and they're, you know, they're, they're dealers. You know, they're talking, they're making deals and stuff. And I walk up to them, and I'm like, you know, hey, man, I'm on. I paint the cars. And they're like, that's cool. but it was like it was like okay now what do i do you know so it was it was almost a little bit of a letdown and then um i came across the uh this guy comes up to me right he goes hey man he says he goes uh those are some pretty cool raps he says he goes i can't even see the seams on them and i'm like yeah this dude does our raps i says i I painted those he goes no shit i said yeah i don't have painted he goes oh man he says we gotta work together and that guy was squiggy who uh uh, is tr- he runs the music experience, and that's who I've been partnered up with for the last year and a half. Wow! So, so going to yeah. Summer Nam, you know, not necessarily knowing the extent of Nam, and if listeners out there don't know what Nam is, I mean, it's it's one of the biggest, you know, uh, gatherings of the music business. You know, the the music. Uh, what, what am I looking for here? The guitars and amps and and you know, basses and drums. I mean, it's the largest gathering of those types of uh, people. And they're trying to, you know, make deals with one another, things like that. So you kind of going in there blindly. I mean, it's almost like ignorance ignorance is bliss when it comes to that because you don't necessarily know what you're how big of a like a madhouse you're walking into. Oh, I had no idea. I mean it was and I mean thankfully you know, I, I started summer man, not winter man. I mean, I probably would have got swallowed whole. You know, it was <laughs> right. so much bigger. But I mean, you're right. It was just you know, I had I, at that point in time 
you know, I, I had played guitar in high school. I figured out, you know, basically how to paint one, you know, essentially I put it back together and it still worked, <laughs> you know, so it was, I had no idea about the industry, no idea about anything going into that. And I mean, it was, you know, and I, you know, you don't want to say it, it's, it, it was a, a leap of faith, but it really was. I mean, I didn't expect to come out of NAM with a deal. You know, I just thought it would be cool to be able to, to say I was there and have somebody, you know, see my shit, quite frankly. You know, I had I had no no intentions, there were no expectations leaving that with anything. You know, so for that to happen and then you know, it was a couple you know, a couple months afterwards, you know, when Squiggy called back and he's like, you know, hey man, you know, I, I do these festivals. I think it could be kind of cool, you know, if we could maybe bring you into the festivals. And at first that's what I did, you know, so I went and I did um uh, Rock Allegiance in Philadelphia. It was the first one two years ago, and uh, you know I went and I just showcased like my own guitars. You know they weren't commissioned guitars. I just painted a couple of the designs that I had. The stuff I had a man actually. You know a couple of people saw them, and, and one of the promoters there said, you know, hey man, how cool would it be if, if would you would you know for an engagement thing you want to paint one live? So I'm like, yeah, I would do that. And the next festival was Aftershock, so they brought me out to um, Aftershock in Sacramento. And, you know, I came out with it as a PRS and, uh, you know, I just had it primed and I sat down and I started painting the guitar live there. And before you know it, I mean, people started gathering, they're watching and stuff. And we were doing it for um, uh, Take Me Home Animal Rescue. They were going to have like a live charity auction. And I was going to give them the guitar on for Sunday and they were going to basically, you know, auction up. And some guy comes up, you know, as we're sitting there and, and I'm painting and there's you know, a bit of a crowd. So the guy says, he goes, um, you know, what, what are you doing? What is that? What's that for? That's not like, you know, it's just the official aftershock guitar, man. I says, we're, you know, you're going to, uh, you can bid on it tomorrow. So he's like, well, he's, this is, this is the deal, man. He says, he goes, uh, um, I just got engaged today to my girlfriend. He says, and that would be the ultimate thing to hang in our house to remember this day by. So my God, it's pretty cool. So I said, you know, put in a bid because I don't want to take a chance on losing it. And he literally plunked down a ridiculous amount of money for that guitar to, to buy it right there on the spot. And at that point, the promoter was sitting right there. And at that point, we're like, you know what? This, we could be onto something here with this because it, it's the ultimate souvenir. You know, so that's what started the official festival of guitars. We kind of brought, talked about it earlier, but, you know, you did the Louder Than Life guitar, uh, Rock on the Range, Carolina Rebellion, Chicago Open Air. You, you get the basic design of the logo from those guys. But, I mean, obviously, guitar canvases, you know, I've seen Explorers and Flying Vs and Les Paul-shaped mm-hmm. guitars. So, I mean, you've got... So do they give you free reign to kind of uh, fill in the rest? You know, you get the basic logo, but you get to go wild on the rest, or do you have to, you know, submit uh, specs or something like that? No, as as of today, I can honestly say not one promoter I worked with has ever asked to see a design prior. They're just like, dude, here's the here's the logo. You know, do something cool. And uh, thankfully, they trust me with it. And uh, I mean, that, that's what makes it really special for me because I, I you know, that's mine. You know, so when I see the, the fans come up and they're they're all about it, I mean, you know, and, you know, who am I? I'm just some guy who paints guitars from New York. You know, I mean, I've had people say, "Hey, can you sign this for me? Hey, can you do that?" I mean, you know, that's that's just crazy cool. So it's it's neat that I can actually say, you know, as opposed to them literally holding my hand, which you know, I've I've been commissioned stuff, and I mean, that's basically what it is. They'll send me a picture, I want that. I mean, that's great. I'll replicate it, but I didn't create it. You know, so it's it's cool to be able to hang the stuff at these festivals and say, yeah, I kind of did create that. So who decides on the canvas on the, you know, hey, on this one, we want to do an Explorer. Or, hey, on this one, we want to do a, a, you know, a Gibson Les Paul shape. I mean, who uh, who comes up with that that part of it? I mean, basically, it's the manufacturer we're working with. You know, okay. I don't I don't dictate to them. I mean, you will establish, 
you know, we'll put it out there and say, hey, guys, this is where we're going to be. You know, it's almost a jump ball, you know, and it's uh, either <laughs> calls or PRF calls or, you know, a fender, you know, whatever it might be. And I, I don't dictate to them what guitars they send. They send me whatever they want. And I mean, it's kind of cool because when the Scooter guitar shows up here, I don't even know what's in the box. You know, you open up and I'm like, oh, that's different, you know, <laughs> and that's what I'm painting. So growing up as an artist and being into, you know, rock and metal, I mean, there, I'm assuming, judging by my own past, you know, in playing music and things like that, if a friend is artistic, obviously you're going to go to them and be like, hey, can you design our logo, design our album cover? I mean, did mm-hmm. you did you grow up doing that with bands? I mean, did you have uh, friends in bands that, you know, hey, Ron, man, we really need a flyer for this upcoming show. Can you help us out? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and it's... Uh... And, and I had no problem doing it. I mean, that was always fun too. I mean, you know, as, as I think anybody who's an artist can say that the biggest thrill they get is, you know, when they can basically see their stuff printed somewhere, hanging on a wall, you know, or like, you know, if you're in advertising, the first time you open up a magazine, you see that print ad that you did. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a notoriety. And, uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of that as a kid growing up. I mean, I, I still get a lot of, a lot of people coming up and now it's like, Hey man, can you paint my guitar? It's like, okay, dude, let's go back to the flyer. Okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you can go back to the club and play your painted guitar. Get out of here. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You're getting a little crazy now. A couple of cool things I saw was, you know, some of the dudes that you've met. So you've met Dave Mustaine, you've met, uh, uh, Zach Wild, you know, a couple of guys like that. I mean, is this a byproduct of painting the guitars that you maybe thought would never happen? I, I never in a million years thought it would happen. You know, but the, the funny thing is, is at, at first, you know, when I, I first started painting guitars, I'm like, you know, wow, how cool would it be, you know, to paint a guitar for Eddie Van Halen? You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be neat? You know, and it's, it's it, that that kind of always was in the back of the head, you know, but it, it, it quickly vanishes when you're just like, all right, well, the chance of that probably happening, you know, I mean, the chance of any of this happening, would have, I thought would have been slim to none, you know, but it's, it's that kind of thought just drifts away when you get into the, the meat of it. You know, and then one day, you know, I'm painting Deans, and all of a sudden the guy from Deans says, Hey, Ron, I want you to meet somebody. You turn around, Dave, the thing is standing there. I'm like, Oh, shit. You know what I mean? That's, and then, and then he's like, You know, he's holding the guitar. He's like, These are really cool, man. He picked up a penny, starts signing them. I'm like, Are you kidding me with this? You know, I mean, that was just neat. I mean, I, I've met some of the some of the coolest guys. I mean, you know, some of my, you know, rock heroes and gods growing up. I mean, you know, those, those guys are legit. You know, it's it's the coolest thing in the world to see when they, when they grab your stuff and say, man, that's really cool. I'm like, you know how many times I said that every time I put your disc on? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who's yeah. like the, uh, who, who is your biggest, you know, the, 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 the Holy grail of dude that you've met so far that you couldn't believe that, uh, you know, you grew up listening to that you ran into. I mean, well, you know, Mustaine had to be one of them. I mean, the top of the list, you know, I mean, that was, that was really just, and it just took me totally by surprise too. So, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, you know, I didn't really grow up listening to him because I wasn't around that long, but I'm Zach Wild. That's, that's, you know, it's to meet Zach and to be able to actually have this like crazy conversation with the guy is just, you know, you're, you're talking as far as I'm concerned, somebody who's at the top of their game, you know, so that they're going to take time out of their day to, to talk to you. And I mean, these guys, you know, thankfully enough, it's, you know, you, you, hate, you hate to say you don't want to, you know, you don't want to meet your hero because you're afraid he's an asshole. None of these guys are, you know, I mean, they, they, they stop, they talk with everybody. You know, so I mean, I've the guys that I've met have, have been awesome, cool, and even even some of these younger bands, some of these up and coming bands. I mean, they've they, they've been so cool and so receptive to it. You know, and it's uh, it's just been a really really cool experience. I think in a lot of that, I think it's probably like talent respecting talent. You know, they see what you do and they can uh, you know appreciate it as something that most people can't do. 
Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny you say that, and it's it's because obviously you know it's like a, you know the, the names like you say some of the, the pictures you've seen. I mean, you know, I fan geek a little bit. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it's, it's it's cool to meet these guys. I mean, one of the cool things was I was out at Winter Nam, and um, I designed a, a pair of headphones, the Floyd Rose, and you know they had the skulls on them and stuff like that. And uh, DJ Ashbo was there. You know, so he came up and he was looking at my stuff like that. So we strike up a little conversation. I mean, and I, you know, I'm a fan of 6 a.m. and DJ's work. I think the guy's crazy talented. And, um, you know, it's, he had just come out with uh, the Schechter released his signature guitar. You know, and so I said to him, you know, obviously, if you, you're familiar with DJ Ashby, I mean, you know, he's tattooed head to toe. The guy's got a, he's got a crazy style. You know, he, he's a graphic artist himself. I mean, he owns this, this crazy, uh, you know, um, prop business out in Vegas. And, I mean, they create the coolest shit. You know, I said to myself, don't take this the wrong way. I says, but I just got to ask you from artist to artist, you know, your Schechter guitar is very, very, I don't want to say plain, but it's, it's like it lacks that DJ look, you know, was that intentional? And so he looks at me, he goes, yeah, dude, let's talk about it. So he starts showing me pictures in his phone and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was literally at that point, it was almost like, you know, graphic artist to graphic artist as all these fans are gathered around to get DJ solo. So, I mean, like you said, the respect artist to artist, that that was a very cool moment. So I think that's exactly what that turned into that conversation. So, so I, I understand, you know, music festivals reaching out to the guy that does guitars, but the one thing that jumps out at me on this whole thing is, you know, you did stuff for Pacific Rim, you did stuff for Suicide Squad. I mean, how does the movie industry find you and, and where does that come from? Well, the, the movie industry stuff uh, found me through the, the brand. You know, so um, like the Pacific Rim was the latest one. You know, that was Ibanez. Ibanez uh, was trying to strike a deal with, um, it was with the, uh, the, the, the premiere. And apparently the story behind that was the, the director of the movie was a big Ibanez fan. You know, so Ibanez was like, you know, how cool would it be if, you know, this guy's putting this crazy picture together and how cool would it be to get a guitar done for him? And at first they were like, well, we can get a rap. And I'm like, well, this guy's really going to, this is a gift to this director. I mean, and, you know, he's cool enough to, to, to take pictures with it, tweet about it and play it. Maybe we should actually have it hand painted. And luckily I had done work for Ibanez. So Ibanez called and they were like, you know, dude, we could be into it. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, so that that was a very cool project. I mean, even even to the fact that I mean, I didn't you know, I didn't design those robots and stuff like that. But I mean, it was it was a lot of work. You know, capture all that detail. I mean, usually if you look at my stuff, the graphics are a little bit bigger. You know, which just gives me a little bit more you know room to to play with. I mean, those things have a lot of little intricate details, a lot of a lot of fine airbrush work. So I mean, it was a challenge to do it. But it, that was I mean, you know, when you see that, he starts putting it out there, the director taking pictures and tweeting and stuff like that. That was very rewarding. Is there a handful of dudes out there like you painting guitars? Is this a kind of a uh, you know the market you've kind of cornered? I mean, is there a lot of competition for you out there? I mean, you know, I've I've come across a few, you know, and I mean, you know, dudes crazy talented. I mean, you know, you see if if you go to any of the the, the Nam shows, especially Winter Nam, you'll see a lot of the, um, the more the metal brands, the ESPs, the Deans, the Jacksons. They'll always have like those those custom, you know, their custom shop stuff, the one offs, and it'll be it'll be painted. You know, it'll have some kind of graphic on it. I mean, I think the uh, the one thing that I can say about that is, I mean, a lot of that, even like the 80s and 90s, early 90s, uh, guitar paint job work, it's a lot of airbrush, heavy, heavy airbrush work. And while I do do airbrush work, I have, you know, the tool I use, I've never been that big of a fan. I'm not, I'm not cutting on anybody. It's just not my style. And probably, quite frankly, because I don't think I'm that good at it. You know, so my stuff has got a little bit of a harder edge. I, I, I don't spray as much. So I think the difference being, which I think is cool because 
you know, if you're looking for a guitar to be painted, you've got a couple of different options now. I mean, you can go heavy airbrush, and I mean, they do some great work. You know, my stuff's a little more graphic-based, a little more, you know, I, I, I put more design elements in mine as opposed to just one, you know, one image. You know, so, I mean, there's a couple of us out there. I, I'd like to say I think I've got my own little niche going. I don't know of anybody that, that's really, you know, getting that commercial-looking aspect to it as I'm doing right now. Have you had to start over on a guitar? Have you gotten, to, you know, just did something completely wrong, you know, made it loader than life, you know, you've, you you know, misspelled a word, anything crazy to where you had to, uh, you know, almost scrap it and start over? No, dude, all the time. I mean, I, I'm the worst speller in the world. You know how many times I've done that? How <laughs> <laughs> you know, times I put the wrong date or the wrong year? Or the wrong, it's like, wait a second, that's not how you spell that. And I mean, it, it, it's funny because, you know, it, it, it happens more times than not, but thankfully I've always caught it before I clear coat the damn thing and send it out, you know, which would have been a disaster. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, it, it's a lot. And I mean, and I, I guess I, in a way, I kind of I kind of set myself up for it because, like we said earlier, I, I can't plan it. It's just, you know, you're, I'm not going to draw it first, on, like draw it and color it on a, on a board or a tissue pad and then transfer it to the guitar. I can't do it. I don't have that kind of patience. So once I put that logo on there, I'm painting on the guitar, you know, so it lends itself to at some point in time, going, ah, shit, I don't care for the way that looks. You know, hopefully you can just basically section off an area and reprime it and start over. But, I mean, there's been more times than I'd like to admit that I've literally just basically took the sandpaper to it and said, enough, let's start all over. <laughs> yep. Well, man, I, I have to commend you for, you know, being an artist in 2018. There are probably not a lot of avenues out there for you to actually make money. Um, and for you to you know take the reins, start your own company, and you know build it up as quickly as you have, is a true testament to what you're doing out there. You do great work, and uh, you know just congratulations for getting paid to do art, which which you know I know a lot of artists out there would love to do, and that uh, they probably have really you know shitty nine to five jobs. You know, it's I mean I appreciate that, man. I, you know, it, you, you have no idea how I appreciate that. It's um. And I mean, it's, it, that's why a lot of times it's really, really fun at these festivals to actually sit down and paint because I get a lot of kids, you know, kids and adults that come up and they'll watch it for a little while. And then they look at the guitar hanging behind. They realize, okay, you really did do that. And then I get the question, you know, and then you realize at that point in time that, you know, this, this teenager, you know, he, he's, he likes to draw, you know, he's like, oh, but I could never do that. And the, the, the answer is like, you know, why not, man? It's like, you know, it's, there really is no difference than drawing on a pad than drawing on this thing. It's just a blank canvas. You know, it, it, yeah, I'll admit it takes a while, or you could have somebody pay somebody to clear coat it. You know, but there's no reason why you can't put your own art on that guitar. I can see where it might be intimidating, but there's, it's, you know, it's yours, dude. It's like it, it's, it's, it's your creation. So there's no reason why you shouldn't give it a try. And I'd like to think that, you know, after hearing that and show, watching me do it. It's, there's no magic secret to it, you know, so hopefully at some point some kid actually went home and tried that and was happy about it because I really think, you know, it's, the world needs more of that kind of work. I mean, computer-generated stuff is great. I can't do it, you know, but it's it, it has to start somewhere. You know, we were in advertising. You got Photoshop and Illustrator. Those are great tools, but, you know, you, you can't, you, if you can manipulate something and not create it, as, my, as far as I'm concerned, you're not an artist. You know, if you can create it and then manipulate it, that's the the, the best thing. But you got to create it. You got to have that talent to create it, and that's what I really enjoy saying. Well, absolutely, Ron. Well, what's the best way for people to check out your work? Uh, you know, the website is uh, it'sronsworld.com, and that's a Z R O N Z World.com. Uh, 
you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? I mean, how, what, what's the best way to, for people to follow you? Yeah, I mean, I'm heavy on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you know, Twitter is a little tough because the images aren't that big, but Instagram and Facebook, I'm on there. So it's you know, at It's Ron's World, I-T-S-R-O-N-Z-W-R-L-D. And then Facebook is Ron's World Guitars. And then, you know, obviously the website, you know, you know I have a little comment and form in there. And if anybody's got any questions, they can just DM me or send me a message or, uh, you know, put an email, you know, through the website. And uh, I answer every single one of them. So I'm happy to talk. Your babies, and you are listening to Talk to Me. 
All right, huge thank you to Ron Williams for taking some time, and then also huge thank you to Cody and Brighton of Wage War. Both those guys coming on. What an interesting, what an interesting couple of guys. And as you can tell, that interview with Wage War was recorded a little while back when the Nashville Predators were still in the playoffs, in the hockey playoffs. But man, what a great band! Love those guys, and also love what Ron Williams is doing. Can't wait to see him at Louder Than Life coming up this September. And once again, guys, just thank you to everyone who checks out the podcast each and every week. Thank you to uh, Scott Bowling for sponsoring the episode. And if you have a product, you have a show, you have an, a podcast you want to get promoted on my show, make sure to reach out. My fees are reasonable, and I will look forward to talking to you in the future. But thank you once again, each and every one of you that listens each and every week. This is the last episode before my next birthday It's a pretty lackluster birthday, 39. Nobody cares about 39. But my last year of my 30s, I should have a little sad, sad music right here. We should we should add some sad music right here. Last year of my 30s, uh, barreling towards 40. But once again, guys, just thanks for listening each and every week. And for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey. Talk to you next Thursday.